We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to what is this? Pod Mavericks presents <laughs> After Dark. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow joining you after a week apart. Recording here tonight on April 25th. It's a Tuesday night. The uh, Atlanta Hawks just held off uh, elimination, defeating the Boston Celtics in a pretty wild game. I'm Kirk Henderson, editor-in-chief of MavsMoneyBall.com, and I'm joined by the man Josh Bow, my co-editor over there. What's going on, Josh? Oh, nothing much. Just uh, continuing to to march through this weird time that we did not expect to have off. As, uh, joining some NBA playoffs, you know, it's kind of same old, same old, nothing, nothing crazy going on, uh, but it's good that we get to check in and chat because there's... There's always something to talk about. There's always something, you know, we were, we were, both of us were like co-irritated today and I would <laughs> say like Josh and I yeah. share, like we, like part of why I think our, our show works and our website works is there's a lot of different opinions and a lot of different thoughts. But one of the things that, that our, our website is kind of like locked in unison about is just this very bizarre notion that the Dallas Mavericks could have made the plan. It, it's something like. Um, I want to say it was um, Landon over at Mavs fans for life tweeted something to the effect last night of like, this is why um, this is why you try to make the plan talking about how the Lakers uh, and then it was earlier in the night, the heat had, which were an eight seed entering uh, the playoffs. They went up three, one over the Milwaukee bucks. And that just started a, a general discourse over, well, this is why you try. And it's like, I, I'm trying to understand the point of view because I get not quitting. Like I, Luca didn't want to quit. Kyrie didn't want to quit. But the Mavericks lost so many freaking basketball games. They were terrible. And it's like, well, what if the team that couldn't win two games in a row could all of a sudden go on a six-game hot streak? <laughs> that no. also wouldn't have mattered because the Thunder won the game on Sunday. <laughs> no, that's the other so part. It's I like it, it I just don't understand. It's all this, it's this bizarre retcon from people that yeah. I really like, which it's just like, I'm sorry, the Mavericks couldn't, you know, not only would they have not made it as a 10 seed, like just all this, like a, it's a cacophony of like multiple bad things right. happening. And it's just, it's going to keep haunting us 
right up until the Dallas Mavericks lose their pick in the lottery. <laughs> yeah, I, I do not want to hear it after that. But yeah, it's like <laughs> comparing the Miami Heat and the Lakers to the Mavericks, like those teams were the little, they were the seventh seed. Like the Heat fell down to eight uh, in the play-in, but like you cannot compare those two teams to the Mavericks. Those two teams were above 500, like seventh seed. If this was before the play-in, they would have made the play. The Mavericks were 10 seed, five, like uh, six games under 500. They're not the same, not the same. So it was just like, I get it. I think it's just, you know, national guys aren't obviously as plugged into the team as we are. And this isn't like a disrespect or trying to say they don't watch the games. I mean, the, you know, those guys do a lot of work and watch the games. It's just, I, I think it's just a reaction to like, wow, this Maverick season really sucked. What's going on? And trying to make hay of it. And and this has kind of been the reaction. That's the only thing I can think of because the, the logic has just flown out the window and it's been people just making up these narratives that don't exist. And like, Like it's over. Like if we were talking about this before the season ended, there'd still be a discussion about it, but like, it's over. The Mavericks made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that would have happened happened. Like we don't have to go back and what if this, because the Mavericks made the right call as much as it sucked. And as much as it's like a reflection of how embarrassing the season is, that's where I figured this is where all the critique would come from. Mm -hmm. But instead it's like this weird, like, Oh, well they still had a chance. And it's like, no, they gave up that chance like two weeks before when they lost two straight games of the Hornets and they, right. and they lost three straight to Atlanta and Miami and uh, whatever the, the Sixers, like, you know, like that's when it was over. So they actually tried longer than I think we, than One most other teams too. would. Yeah. I mean, and, and <laughs> other and teams hind- would have thrown in the towel earlier. And in hindsight, it really looks like the Mavericks were trying to ride it out in an organic way. Um, part of why yeah. the tanking against Chicago and San Antonio was like so offensive to people was they had beat the Kings the night before or two games, like a game before. Yeah. And I don't think we thought they were going to win. The The Kings were on the second night of a back-to-back, but it was like, there was, was, it was a made three from the Mavericks losing the game more or less. The Kings right. just didn't hit shots, but you know, we're here now. And, and, and that's sort of, you know, the, the way things have gone, you know, we've not talked a ton about the playoff basketball. And I, I will say that there are some things that have, that have sort of stood out to me and, you know, beyond the fact that with this new collective bargaining agreement, the Maverick or um, like Adam Silver is going to get his midseason tournament, which I, is going to be a little bit peculiar, but it, it's been very apparent to me in these playoff series, at least the ones that are a little bit more evenly matched that, <sighs> it just feels more and more like the regular season does not matter. So you Mm -hmm. you look at, you look at what the Lakers have done and obviously the Lakers started off the season really bad. They had lots of injuries and then they remade their team. Yeah. They have a completely new team, but they remade their team in Rui Hachimura, who was the earliest acquisition for them. And they're like whirlwind of trade stuff. Mm -hmm also wasn't part of their revitalization down the stretch. And he has been the man for them against Memphis playing Mm -hmm. probably the best basketball of his career. And I don't know what to make of it. I feel like he's a little bit of a microcosm for kind of the, the issues at large with, you know, you try to take these things in and, and, you know, you look at the season as a whole, as a guide, because you figure with enough games or some sort of sample, but there's just, I got nothing like th- this is too weird. Like I understand that the Grizzlies are missing Steven Adams, who is kind of their, their soul 
to an extent. But to go down three to one to this Lakers team and to get your ass whooped by Rui Hachimura while Jared Vanderbilt, who was key in crushing Dallas, has not mattered. <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of this. And it granted, it's just one series, but I'm just right. wondering if you have any any sort of thoughts on it. Well, I think one, it's you know, the sins of Memphis kind of just coming to bear, even with the injuries, like they're a horrible half court team, uh-huh. even when they're full strength. So every I think every plugged in Memphis blogger, reporter, media person has kind of probably has been like, you know, Hey, this could happen because, you know, regular season ball just doesn't tra- that the way they play in the regular season just doesn't translate in the playoffs. Cause you have to be able to score in the half court. Cause the game slows uh-huh. down and, and you know, all that stuff. So that, that was always going to happen regardless of the injuries, you know, maybe it would have happened around later you know, <laughs> instead of maybe the first round. And then the other thing is I think we're learning, you know, feel like we're we're slowly transitioning like four or five six years ago it was like okay you can't have the tony allen type anymore who just can't shoot or do anything offensively mm-hmm. now you need like three and d and the league went hard on these three and d guys that can make spot up shots and play defense that can stay on the floor now i feel like we're going like a step past that and it's like okay you can't just shoot three like you have to be able to attack a closeout because the defense is adjusted again and now they're taking away your threes so if you can't dribble or if you can't do something with the ball not saying you have to be a point guard, but if you just can't do the basic line drive attack a closeout, um, you know, now you're you're less valuable because like defenses just keep adapting and adjusting. So, you know, Riachamora, say what you will about him. I mean, he can he can do that. You know, he can be your fifth guy that can attack a closeout or make a corner three. And you know, Jared Vanderbilt is a little more offensive limited, I would say. So maybe that's why, you know, that's what's happening here. But I've just noticed in these playoffs, like we just keep seeing these teams that are struggling and it's like that fifth guy. Like they just like there's just nowhere to hide anymore. Like teams are too good at scouting, teams are too good at defense. Like there's too much, too much data, too much knowledge, too much smart people in the league compared to like five, 10, 20 years ago, compared to where we are now. Like it's just hard to hide guys on the floor, mm-hmm. like it used to be, I think, like yeah. even five or ten years ago. I think that's what we're seeing. Like look at Cleveland, like they've got four of maybe the five or six best players in that series. And, but because they don't have that fifth guy, uh, they're, Oh man, you know, they're struggling big time. I want, I want to circle back to that series in a second, but the, yeah, the chat sure. is making note of the fact, and this is important. Uh, Brandon Clark missing from, from the Grizzlies. That's another oh, yes, key thing. Huge. And that it, it just goes to show you how team construction, you've got to have real depth. And the Grizzlies are obviously not aided by the fact that, that Devin or uh, Dylan Brooks is just the embodiment of kind of I don't I feel like it, it went from being fun to root against him in like a couple of days to he's sad like I his quotes paired with the fact that he's skipping the media like Memphis yeah. can't Memphis may never recover from this like this is like a dynasty shattering before it even assembles with just pure like hubris like yeah. it, it's sort of sad John Morant it, earlier when he hurt his hand he like compared his off-court incidents with his injuries, and it's like they, they have some self-awareness, guys. So it's like yeah. they're they're kind of the perfect situation to to a perfect storm of sadness. Very, you know, it's not similar to the Mavericks in two thousand and seven when they lost, but just like the sense of like foreboding surrounding them now is. I'm just I'm glad I don't root for that team because they're you know they're they're in a they're in a really um they're they're just it's it's in a rough spot, but. You know, in, in you know, circling to that uh, that other series, it's funny because this this Knicks um, 
I want to say that the offenses in these two series between the Knicks and the Cavs might be the worst two offenses by offensive rating in the playoffs so far. Yeah, I think with, I heard on the low podcast that if these ratings were in the regular season, they'd both be lat, like they'd both they'd be thirty and twenty nine. Right, and both I'm below like below the Hornets. <laughs> so I'm struggling to reconcile like our guy uh, Jalen Brunson, who we miss, absolutely tearing it up while having the ball longer more per possession and more dribbling than Luca did in last year's playoffs while also winning. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a weird. So I, I mean, the Knicks could advance. I mean, they're probably gonna based yeah. off of where they are and then just get utterly rocked in the next round. Like, is that, is that like the most, the, the most obvious thing that, that that's going to happen? Like it, it's, it's such a bizarre playoffs. Like I, I always try to like, when I'm watching these games singing, Okay, how can the Dallas Mavericks? What do they need? What are we learning from from these playoffs? And to date, I just don't have anything. I keep circling back to, well, if the Mavericks had better guys, they would suck less. I mean, the Cleveland thing <laughs> is just huge because if they had like Dorian Finney-Smith in who is pretty as awful starter. Yeah. as their fifth starter, like Dorian is as basically in that Brooklyn series, he 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 his whole career loved Dorian, but he owes a lot to Luca, plain and simple. Um, mm. But if he was on that Cavs team as their fifth starter in the small forward spot, which essentially gave them nothing, maybe the Cavs would win more games. Maybe they would maybe it'd be a tie series. I mean, it's just. Or what if they did that uh, Karis LeVert, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, swap that was rumored mm. at the trade deadline? Uh, mm. I think as whatever we feel about Timmy, I think he'd be giving them a little bit more than than LeVert is giving them. So, yeah, that would be kind of fun, interesting, too. Um, I guess in terms of like what I'm like taking, like, yeah, because we always try to look at the playoffs because there's always trends and then that uh-huh. factors into your roster building. I think the thing I'm noticing, the two things is some, one we already knew is like threes matter. Uh-huh. Um, threes wipe away so much. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen any tweets about or seen some stuff about the Heat series. I was going to ask you to, you did this this morning. This yeah. was amazing. Please go yeah. with it. So uh, Cooper Moorhead, who's been a long time uh, Heat media guy, kind of did a little thread um, looking at the Heat's three-point shooting. And it's just like, it's a, it's astronomical compared to where they were in the regular season. Um, you know, like the Heat are the seventh team in postseason history to shoot 40-plus percent from three on at least 25 attempts in four consecutive games. And again, they were uh, the 27th best three-point shooting team in the regular season. They're up 3-1 against the Bucks, And I, just kind of riffing off that, it's like, how many times have we seen the Mavericks either be in games or just win games that they flat out did not deserve to win because they just, they made 18 threes and their opponent made 10 or they made 17 threes and their opponent made seven. Uh-huh. And it's like some of them we've learned, you know, your, your guy Seth part now at the athletic and some other smart data people have basically said, you know, three point percentage is so variable, like in terms of defense, like, yeah, you can contest and you can do all these things, but in terms of that percentage, that number of makes, uh, that can be that's like variance that can be unaffected by uh, defense or or whatever you're doing because you know guys can miss open shots and guys can make contested shots so it's tough to to gauge how much of a defensive impact you're making on three point percentage so you know just kind of riffing off that like I'm just imagining like imagine the Mavericks if they somehow made the playoffs like if they just had a couple of these games where they make eighteen to twenty threes and the other team just misses through no fault of their own, you know, not necessarily because Mavericks are playing good defense and they can turn a series around. And I think that's why it was so hard for me to want to give up on them this season because they had that advantage. So 
it's a little frustrating because it's like, wow, they just need like a couple more pieces. And this offense is so good that they can just, they can, it'll take care of themselves. And then it's also like, you want to be a little optimistic. You're like, wow. Okay. So they only do need a couple more pieces because mm-hmm. this offense is just so good. So it's like looking through glass half empty glass half full. Like it's frustrating that they've wasted this offense for a couple of seasons with some mediocre defenses uh, aside from last season. And what do you know? Last season was the season they had the good defense and they make the run. So, you know, you it's just heard- like get more players and they could have made a run and they don't need that many more. They just, they just need a hand, like a couple more. You referred to it this morning as as Dallas does the neat party trick of hitting all the yeah. threes because, and and forgive me, I was listening but also looking stuff up. Did fine. you did you talk about the Heat's run compared to the Heat's regular season shooting? Yeah, yeah, they've they're forty plus percent in these in four consecutive games. They were twenty seventh in the regular season. So like uh, the likelihood, <laughs> I've not looked at it, but the likelihood that they did this shot 40% from three is very, is low because yes. they, they just, they just weren't good at shooting the three ball despite yeah. having some pretty interesting three point shooters. Yeah, that, that would be kind of it for me too. And I mean, when you watch these games from a big picture, this is where like, I understand the notion behind what Landon tweeted and what a lot of people, like some of my friends, are killing me for. It's like, oh, the Mavericks should have tried because they could have got there. Things could have happened and gone their way. Well, they, they tried I, and failed. <laughs> right. And I get it. I get it. But that's why I get it because the party trick is mm-hmm. real. Like, it's a thing they can do. And so it's it's just, it's very, um, it's it's very peculiar. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep watching, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm looking... Like the next round is where things start to get a little bit more tactical, where you start figuring out how uh, you know certain teams can win or really can't win in a lot of respects. So, so that's gonna be that's gonna be something. Um, there's not really much else in the way of Mavericks news, even from last mm-hmm. week, which is which is fine. Uh, you know, Kevin Sheridan of Dallas Mavericks, isn't that his name? Sheridan of Dallas Morning News. Do you know what I'm talking yes. about? Yep, Calm, longtime columnist. He wrote a column simply excoriating the front office for the hire of Dennis Lindsay, not because of Lindsay, but because of what Lindsay represents, which was, you know, he essentially said, like, we've heard for years about how Mike Finley's the wonderkin and how, you know, oh, oh, we're going to get Nico Harrison. He's going to come in and do X and Y and Z things. Well, if that's the case, then why are you bringing in Lindsay as a special advisor, which I thought was. I don't know. I I'm I'm in this odd headspace, and I was telling some some group of friends this today. Like, I'm using like like I'm a like a, a high school girl in a speech class. I apologize. Um, it's it's a verbal tick. I'm work I'm working on it. Jeremy Senate also wants to know also the racism. Yes. Well, look, anything that can't be verified and is not something I really feel all that comfortable talking on. Um, with what Lindsay may or may not have done. Uh. It, it simply becomes one of these things where what I was talking to a group of friends with earlier today is when you look at the big picture of what's going on in Dallas, seeing everyone sort of slowly come around to our longtime stance about the problems and what they represent has been very, very gratifying is not the right word because you don't want to be right. But it's been just very odd to hear the heat turned up like this. And you mentioned this a couple shows ago that the Mavericks as an organization has probably never felt this kind of heat. Um, the closest might've been after they lost in the finals in 2006, and then they got rid of Avery after 2007. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, that's the closest, but the media environment wasn't the same. 
So it's just, I don't know. It's that's that's kind of been the the max of the the news stuff related that I've been been thinking about. Have you seen anything else? No, no, not not really anything else. But yeah, um, I think Jeremy does make a make a good point. You know that I made it was like whether we verify it or not. Like it's not that hard to find smart basketball people that don't have those accusations. So yeah, um, there's that. Yeah. And then so speaking of Kevin's column, uh, it, it it does it is kind of weird. Uh, his his point uh, is valid but also i i don't know if you've seen or heard but like apparently the mavericks front office is like small compared to other teams like they just like it's they just don't have a lot of people um so so yeah well yes they did sell us a bill of goods with finley and harrison and cuban it sounds like though you know it's them and then like a cap guy and it's like you need more. Like you need well, they, more they could be the wonderful. Room. They could be yeah. wonderful for all we yeah. know. They don't get a chance to work. Yeah, that's that's that been the too. real like everything. And I I experience this in my in my job, and I'm sure lots of people do. Managers often expect results immediately, and unfortunately, in almost all business processes, it's trusting the process over time to execute the results and not constantly switching things up. Unfortunately, we have a superstar speeds up your timeline. Lots of this stuff is difficult, but it's it's really, you know, if if this all goes sideways, there's gonna have they're gonna there's gonna be one person that takes all the blame, and he's Mark Cuban. Right. So um, all right. So let's take a we're gonna take a, a, a I'm gonna do this for myself for the audio. We're gonna insert some ads here. Do me a favor, guys, all of y'all. Um, if you're listening to the ads in the podcast, that stuff helps Josh and I, just to be quite candid. So if if you could do that in the show, I would be grateful. Josh would be grateful. Uh, and then we're going to talk next about some player reviews for the season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, so one of the things we're going to do the next several weeks is, you know, in Mavs Moneyball, we're constantly churning out stuff. We have big staff. We have lots of guys that like to write things. Uh, We've been putting out three to four articles a day still, which is cracking me up because I didn't think we would have anything to write about. Uh, And now we have uh, started to to have our kind of deluge of what we refer to, you know, as our player review series, where we're looking at each and every guy in the roster and what they had to offer this year. Uh, We're starting with some kind of low-hanging fruit. Um, in particular, you know, there's there's one guy that ended the roster on the season, started the year with the summer league team in AJ Lawson. And I don't have a ton to comment on about him other than I very much hope that he plays with the summer league team again and that he gets a couple of opportunities early in the year because I thought he brought the right kind of energy size. He looked a lot bigger by the end of the season, like he had been spending some time in the weight room. I just I enjoyed the brief glimpses of AJ Lawson's game. What did you think? Yeah, I agree with that. And again, we didn't see much. Um, but when he did get on the floor, it seemed like he did stuff, uh, even if it was garbage time or, you know, these last two games, which were, uh, you know, the Mavericks weren't trying to win and neither were the other teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the players were, but you know what I mean? Right. Uh, everyone was sitting, you know, so it's hard to judge too much in the last two games of the season. But yeah. He fits the profile of what they need. I mean, they just need athleticism. They just need dudes that can run and jump and get out in the open floor. Even if they're going to be a slow team with Luca, like they can still do some things in the half court with guys that can just be athletic. And you're right. He did look much bigger um, uh, than he did in summer league. He was skinny. Yeah, he, he was, was six, like, five and one sixty on the, on the weight sheet at, in yeah. Vegas. I, he might've been more than that at that point, but that's what he, that's what he had in there. Well, he definitely looks bigger than that now. Yeah. Um, so that's good. It was a little bu- a little bit of a bummer. He didn't get more time because I think right when a lot of injuries hit with Luca and Kyrie, he got into a game and I think he hurt his knee, like sprained his knee or something. Uh-huh. And he just, he never, he might've gotten some minutes uh, if that didn't happen, I think. But you know, by the time he came back, Luca and Kyrie were back and they kind of had their full rotation back. So, so yeah, there's nothing... Not much more to say other than like these are the type of dart throws I like, you know, this archetype of player. Um, it's a little harder when you dart throw on like, like you know, guys that don't have a good athletic profile, you know, whether they're too small or, or what have you. Like, you know, if you're going to spend your two-way contract on someone and those guys, re- you know, those are dart throws. You can't rely on those guys being regular contributors. Uh, at least do it on a guy that's like, hey, we we need this type of player, so let's let's spend one of these slots on him. So mm-hmm. I like it from that standpoint. So yeah, yeah. I'd want to see him back. Yep, in that spot. Then the next guy, just kind of working our way through, we're going to discuss four total people. All of them will probably be relatively short, with the exception of the last guy. The next one is Theo Pinson. Um, Theo Pinson was signed. And I still remember Tim McMahon's quote about how the Mavericks, not quote, his tweets, which was basically echoing a a Maverick source saying that the Mavericks felt that the 27-year-old forward still had some potential uh, as, as, you know, to like developmental potential. I don't know. And, you know, last MVP, last 
basically 22 January 1st, 2022 on, he was a pretty important guy to the Mavericks in terms of a glue guy, uh, him along with Jalen Brunson, things really mattered a lot. He helped in the playoffs. He was, you know, he, he kind of him alone was the, he resulted in, um, new, uh, basically playoff rules and like what you couldn't, couldn't wear in relation to certain, like it was some wild stuff caused by Theo Pinson and the Mavs brought him back. And it was like a sequel that didn't need to happen is, is what I'll say. And look, I don't actually have anything against Theo, the person. I have something against Theo, the idea, and what he represented to the Mavericks. So please, let's not confuse this. But by the end of the year, I was so exhausted by the shtick. And, you know, we have our own deal. We're, we're Mavs podcasters. We do, you know, we self-promote. I'm Well, you don't. I'm pretty shameless, <laughs> though, relative. But Theo's whole deal was at, was promoting himself. And at, that frustrated me as the season was coming undone, seeing Theo Pinson podcasts and stuff like that, where he gets a triple-double in the very last game of the year where the Mavericks get blown out by the Spurs. He hops on his own podcast to talk about his own triple-double. Really respect the, the self-perpetuating news cycle, but dude, I don't care. <laughs> Nor should any Mavericks fan. In yeah. fact, we should all be embarrassed. Yeah. That part sucked. Um, two things. One, you know, you're like, I'm not against the person necessarily, just against the, the roster spot decision. I will say, like, uh, your 15th guy on the roster, I think he had two technicals from the bench this year. One got rescinded. Like, come on, man. Like, I have a problem with that. Like, because you're legitimately affecting the game in a negative way and you're not even on the damn floor. So uh, that sucked. Like, I think that got a little out of whack there this season. Um, when you're the vibes guy and the vibes were very bad, um, like what, you know, how much, how much do you need a vibes guy if your vibes aren't even that good? Um, so that sucked. And then also, you know, we learn every year, you know, yes, the 15th guy on your roster isn't going to make or break your season, but there are going to be stretches every season where everyone's going to have to play because injuries are a thing. And it just kind of was unfortunate that like, you know, when the Mavericks had their injury spell, which every team goes through just about, unless you get really, really lucky, you know, throwing him into on the floor, like not expecting him to stop the bleeding necessarily, but it was just emblematic of like, yeah, of, of their problems and their, their thoughts to roster building. You know, he wasn't on the roster to like him coming back on the team had nothing to do with like, okay, what about the scenario if he has to play because of injuries? It was yep. all because of, He's a great locker room guy. And while we can understand that, uh, you know, they definitely missed JJ Barea when they did decided not to bring him back as a locker room guy. There's, you know, there's a difference when, you know, Barea is like uh, at the end of his career and Penson like using a spot on a guy that's 27. Theoretically, that could go to another guy that's 27 that has a bit more juice. Um, so, you know, that, you know, well, it, it's not a big deal, but it's it's time to to make better uses of of all fifteen roster spots. Uh, well, I want to show. I just want to show the chat something because I I can't help but but reshare my old jokes, and it's very niche for if you watch Succession. But I I decided after after the uh, the last episode that that Theo is actually cousin Greg, and if you are familiar at all with cousin Greg. He's a try-hard weirdo, and that is Theo Pinson to me because that was the other thing. Okay, let's just talk about his play for a second, and then we'll move on. 
he played like he thought he was awesome. And yeah. that I'm 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 not really explaining that right, but like there was a real demonstrative quality that almost felt like a wrestler at points where if the outcome of the the game didn't matter, maybe I'd feel differently. Do you know what I mean? But it's like there were yeah. instances where it's like, why is Theo doing this? You're the grit, like you're the grind guy. You're literally the 15th man. Yeah. Why are you yeah. taking step back threes? Oh. Why are you on the floor at the end of, uh, of games uh, initiating the, he was inbounding. A, like, I think he was inbounding a, a, a final possession. Uh, the Mavericks were down uh, in a game. Like it's just, it was, weird. <laughs> it was very weird. Oh, poor, poor guy. Hopefully we'll never have to speak of him again, but knowing our luck, he'll come back as like, you know, the 13th man next season. Next, we have uh, Frank Nilakina coming back for the second year. For those of y'all who do not remember, he joined the Mavericks last year as part of a camp invite and then ended up making the team. You know, he's a minimum guy, was not a huge investment, but we all should have been worried that the season was going to go awry. When Mark Cuban and Nico Harrison made Nico or made Frank Nilakina related comments in the preseason related to the third ball handler spot. You know, I think it was Cuban who said we people forget about Frank that became the running bit of the entire year for Mavs social media. And I want to read you something here from, from Ben Zadell's uh, uh, player review. The Mavs uh, Mavericks Frank Nilakina experiment did not work. That was the name of the title. Ben wrote this, quote, at one time I was an Ilikina believer. Now I am an apostate. I have left the faith forever, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on Frank's, Frank's, you know, just entire deal? Yeah, I think it's one of those things. I think we've talked about this in Slack with Ben and other staff, you know, who wrote mm -hmm. this and other staffers. Like, it's just when you've got these End of, the sp end of the roster spots with these minimum guys that are on non-guaranteed deals or like one-year deals that are easily movable or whatever. Like it's, they're dart throws and you got to know when it's time to move on. Like you got to rotate those guys in and out every season, which is what a lot of teams do because you just got to try to find, you know, it, okay, this didn't work. Let's find the next, try to find the next diamond. In the row. Okay, this guy didn't work. Let's try another guy. Okay, this guy didn't work. We'll try another guy. You know, these guys aren't part of your core rotation, so it's not like you're mucking up chemistry to a large degree. But Frank did all right last season, but not good enough to warrant, I think, bringing back. I think I would have rather them experimented and tried with someone else because, again, he's not a critical part of the roster. But the fact that they brought him back and not only thought that he could potentially solve some third, like, it was just, it was just lunacy. And it's like, it's nothing against Frank. Like, I'm actually glad they brought him in the – the season that they did like hey former top 10 pick that's been released that's you know got some in, got some intangibles that we might like in terms of like long defensive guard okay let's try it okay he played he was eh, not not so great let's try something different and instead they doubled down and you know that's kind of what happens he's just yeah. not i don't think he's a you know he's probably an nba player in terms of he can probably stick around in the league but he's definitely not a guy you want on your team you know, multiple seasons and, and, and needing to play real minutes. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciated his confidence because, you know, he was the guy that was drafted right before Dennis Smith, right? Yep. In the draft in 2017. Uh, he just, he'd never really found much of a shot. Uh, he, he did have a lot of confidence in the year prior in the playoffs against Devin Booker. I thought he did really well. 
defensively. He was not a bad defender. It's just the Mavericks can't have – he was really – like he had a lot of confidence shooting the ball and wasn't very good at it. Like it won – so it's just it, – it was a rough – it was a rough deal for him. And and there's I've, – I've talked about this theory before, but I might as well talk about it again. So if you assume 15, 15 guys – on, on every NBA roster times 30 teams, 450 players. There's roughly 75 to 100 guys, the back, you know, 15 to 20% of the league that could be interchanged with guys that are overseas. You know, they're, they're in, and that mm-hmm. are playing internationally that have chosen to step away for one reason or another. You know, the NBA does boast the best basketball players in the world, but when you get to the back half of rosters, guys want to play. So they don't necessarily want to go play in the NBA for the final shot and, and you know, just sit on somebody's bench. They want to go play basketball and make, and make money. money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's if the Mavericks are going to treat the back half of the roster in a certain way where they don't really pay attention to the final five spots, then they have to be willing to do more to bring guys in. And Dart throws don't always work. So sometimes right. I, I, we're inadvertently harder on them than we should be because it is a back five. Mm-hmm. But in 2016-17, they did some dart throws with Dorian Finney-Smith, with Maxi Kleba. It can work. You just need to do the you need to do the work, which circles back to what you had mentioned earlier in relation to that Kevin Sheridan post, where it doesn't seem like the Mavs do their homework. And they just kind of, you know, they throw shit together. And that's been, you know, Frank was kind of a byproduct of that. Yeah, it's just, I I mean, he showed some things last season, but not enough to, I, you know, I would have just rather that, rather they try another guy at that spot. That's, yep. oh, ooh, excuse me. Sorry about that. That's okay. And again, it's like not an indictment that Frank, like, again, if, if they tried him and they let him go and they tried someone else's season, like no one's grilling the Mavericks for like, the Frank one year sign, like no one, can, like no one's going to be critical of that. It's just, you know, uh, that's what you're supposed to do at the end of the roster. You just keep trying to find those diamonds in the rough and just, there's just no reason to hold on to them for more than a year. If they don't work out, um, it didn't work out and they held on to him one year too long. And, uh, I assume he won't be back next season, but who knows? right. Right. Which then brings us to to the first real kind of quasi-rotation player in third-year forward Josh Green. Now, longtime listeners of the show will know that coming into the year, and as recently as last year, I was one of a few Mavs Moneyball members that really didn't think Josh Green had an NBA career ahead of them. Uh, he just wasn't, you know, obviously year one, he comes in during COVID year, plays for Rick Carlisle, kind of gets put on the bench early, didn't play summer league, had no experience. Uh, year two, uh, after, so I think it's it's heading into uh, Jason Kidd's first year, he doesn't play summer league again for whatever reason. Because and, of the, because he was the Olympics international. But he team. didn't play a minute. Like no. he played like seven total minutes with Australia. So he was back in time, but still didn't play, worked on his game, yada, yada. Had in, had in like some spots in year two, but not enough to like really justify the hope that people were putting into him. And then come into year three, he had a fantastic training camp uh, and really started off the year with a bang and looked very, very good. Um, I'm trying to think how to describe his season after kind of a hot start. Do you want to give it a go? Yeah, I mean, what he 
just didn't miss shots for like the first two months of the season. He had like a that's right. He had like a seventy-two shooting percentage. Like, like led by the, the end league. Of December. Yeah, like <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, he shot. I mean, he was over sixty percent from the field, uh, over fifty percent from three by the end of November. It's like what? Like, <laughs> like he played basically a month and a half's worth of games, and I was like, and to go from a guy that never made any shots to I'm making all of my shots was just like crazy. Um, Absolutely crazy. And his defense was always there, at least in terms of effort. So it's clear he put a lot of work into his game, uh, especially around the basket. He was really good around the basket this year, even when he, his three point shot cooled off a little. And when I say cooled off a little, like he still never had a month. His worst month shooting threes was 35%. So um, the big thing with him is volume. Um, and the big, like the, the two big things, volume, he needs to, he needs to shoot more. Uh, and then consistency. Um, he, the, the Kyrie Luca thing, it was so weird. He, when those guys were out, he looked like, like Josh Howard in 2007. Mm. And then when Luca and Kyrie came back, he just kind of shrugged back into the shadows. Like, with these like single point game lines, like playing 21 minutes and scoring two points kind of, kind a little of refusal and, to shoot weird. Yeah. And I don't, I understand that he had more of a freedom when those guys are out, but there's he, they, the Mavericks coaching staff and him have to figure out a balance. Mm-hmm. Like it, I understand that he's not going to play the way he's going to play when those guys are out. Like we get it, but there has to be a way to get a little bit more out of him when those guys are on the floor, because he really is one of their few foundational pieces that they can build around Luca going into the future. If they decide to keep him on the roster and not trade him. Yeah. And so it's interesting. I want to say it was Matthew Phillips of, of Mavs Moneyball, one of our contributors who pointed this out to me. And I think this is worth considering as Dallas heads into the off season, the four most interesting players on the Mavericks roster moving forward, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, assuming he resigns, Jaden Hardy going into his second year, Josh Green eligible for an extension this offseason. Four guys. All four of them, and this includes Josh, are guards. <laughs> Josh is not a, a true forward. He's not big enough. Um, that became kind of clear as we watched him. He became a better defender as the year went on for sure. Got stopped fouling, stopped getting called for fouls at least. Uh, he still had some odd relapses towards the end of the year, but so did everybody. So I don't really want to hold that against him. But he was he was interesting and good. But he is a guard. He does have ball handling skills. That was really nice to set, nice to see. But what the Mavericks need is wing depth. And so I'm going to be really curious to see what happens with him and an extension. I think the Mavericks offer him one. I think it'll probably be a, a deal that makes that leaves social media irritated with the price. But he's not going to get maxed or anything like that. These, you know, the the he's probably not going to turn down an extension offer because for as good of a year as he had, it wasn't as good as everybody remembers. Um, again, you know, what was his points per game average? I should know this. Nine, I should have had this up. Like, again, twenty five minutes per game. Yeah, and and so it's you can see some projection there, but you know, seventy five percent NBA players score under ten points a game. The Mavericks need guys that can score the ball a little more, do a little more everything, and Josh had Josh just still has too many games where he disappears. That's not to say that'll always happen, 
But what it does is it is to me is it makes his future and upside still very nebulous because they're for as good as his like statistics look, the chart of his games in sort of the growth pattern was very different than Jaden Hardy, who I think showed kind of a upward momentum. Is that is that fair? Am I missing the missing? Yeah, missing Hardy got that? better. Definitely got better as the season went on. And I and I thought Green got better, took steps back, got better, took steps back. I mean, Jason Kidd fucked with him a whole lot. That that can't be understated because when the Mavericks signed uh, Justin Holiday, they immediately started him over Green, yeah, which was bad. Green like they literally hurt his um, his confidence. You could see it; it was crazy. So yeah, that was bad. But uh, again, like you said. He could be a building block going forward. They could trade. I mean, he's probably their most valuable trade piece in the non-Luka, non-Kyrie uh, category. Um, some people might say Hardy after what he did, maybe. Uh, but in terms of like every team needs a guy like Josh Green, like an athletic perimeter player that can guard and fill in the gaps around, you know, as a glue guy around your stars. But again, his he's got to be consistent. He's got to figure out a way to play with Luka and Kyrie where he's just not invisible for 20 to 25 minutes. Like he, he showed he's got to find a happy balance. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see, but like you said, you know, again, he is to me, he is more of a Bullock. Like if we're looking at the roster, the Mavericks need a Finney Smith replacement and they need a Bullock replacement because it's uh-huh. pretty clear that Reggie Bullock is, is cooked. Green projects to me more like as the Bullock replacement because Bullock's job was to chase around the smaller guards because that's not what you want Dorian to do. Right. Not what he's good at. So they need to, like, even if they retain Green and they don't trade him for another piece down the road, they still need to find their Dorian replacement. Like, he is not, like, I see him more as, like, whenever they're ready to move on from Bullock, he's the Bullock replacement, and then they need to find a big wing to replace mm-hmm. him. Well, and, and I guess depending on how you feel, about him coming into the season versus how you act is going to affect how you feel about him leaving. So for me, considering I thought he maybe wasn't a professional basketball player, I'm pretty thrilled about the outcome and I'm delighted that I was wrong with all of my harsh criticism in the past several seasons. Um, If you were hoping for him to become anything like a Desmond Bain, he still just has a long, long, long way to go. He had some truly Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Well, but he had some truly good games this year, like some oh, real no, building yeah. block. It, it's it's figuring out some different stuff of how to keep pressing, you know, with if he's going to be that that third heat with Gun Kyrie on the floor, he has to do more with those minutes. Yeah, he had a stretch to start February, um, six straight games over in double digits, mm-hmm. shooting really well from three. Like, I mean, there was times where it was like, wow, I mean, they're not even going to miss Dorian because he's going to step into that in that spot and then you know Luca and Kyrie came back and his his production just literally fell off a cliff uh, in a weird way so yeah they have to find that balance it's it's awesome that he was able to step in during injuries and put up like 20 points 23 yep. points like again they need more guys like that because like as much as we love Dorian as much as we love Maxi and some of these other guys that they've been hanging on to for a long time you know Reggie those guys, when Luke and Kyrie out, were not like those weren't the kind of guys that could shift their game into okay, I will step up and I will do more. Like they kind of maxed out their ceiling. Where Josh, like it's kind of nice to know you have a guy in your roster where it's like, okay, Luke is out tonight, he's resting or he's got a hurt ankle. We know that Josh has the capabilities of being like a 20 point guy. Yeah. 
you know, because you just need someone to score points when when your stars are out. So, like Dorian can never do that. Reggie's never going to do that. Maxie's never going to do that. So, you know, even if his development doesn't continue to skyrocket as much as Mavs fans want, just the fact that he has that ability is is valuable. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, that's probably all we have. Do you have mm-hmm. are, are any any thoughts in your brain rattling around you haven't gotten out? No, no. I, I think we got out my frustration with the stupid tanking narrative uh, at the beginning of the show. Yeah, that was the only thing that was really bugging me uh, this week. Because <sighs> like I'm really trying to like detox yeah. from from Mavericks discussions because like we we need a break. I think remember Ben. I think Ben was saying like you know from the restart in the bubble mm-hmm. till you know, this season ended, we've basically been like, <laughs> like, you know, sure. painting the town red or whatever you want to call it, like putting our nose to the ground. Very like, little, very little out. breaks. Yeah. So this is the first legitimate break we've had since the the season closed down in March of 2020. So, so what the if, fact that these fucking dumb takes are coming out and trying to like catnip, like catnip, trying to lure me back onto Twitter mm. when I don't want to be there. I'm just like, you, you assholes, just let me, let me be in peace. Let me be free of this team. I don't want to think about them, you know, too in depth for for a little bit. Like, I want to think about the draft. I want to think about that stuff. I don't want to think about. Well, okay. What stuff. Mavs? What non-Mavs stuff are you thinking about? Are you enjoying? Like, are you getting to watch any television? Yeah. Which I know. So what? What in the hell are you doing with yourself? Oh, okay. Non-basketball related. I mean, yeah. I'm just like going to bed. <laughs> um, you know me, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, so, like, you know, I'm playing games, you know, going to the movies. It's mm. nice. You know, just, like, going out on the weekend, like, going to have lunch with my mom and my my little brother. Like, when we... Touching grass. Yes. Going outside. Um, taking my daughter to see the Super Mario Brothers movie. That so movie the, rocked. The, yeah, we had a great time. She loved it. It was so much fun. So Tight, tight 90 minutes, just the way yes, that was chef's kiss. Was yeah, perfect. just just the, the real real way it ought to be. If 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 I can make some recommendations to to the chat, I'm I'm going to have to put out into the universe that everyone spends part of their off season if they have the opportunity to watch Apple Plus's shrinking. Made it it absolutely killed me, made me laugh and even cry a little bit. Great show. Um I'm I'm looking forward to sinking my teeth into a lot of really bad television um <laughs> like still watching a grind uh i'm gonna berate you into watching Andor over the next four months which will be nice um and i'm i'm attempting i'm finishing up a uh a second pass at mass effect i played mass effect 2 like i i beat it every which way i could 10 12 years ago whenever it came out mass effect 3 i played once and turned off angry i played the whole thing but i remember hating it <laughs> and i'm playing it now and it reminds me of how i felt after watching lost again where it was like oh this is actually really good i just didn't understand and was being pissy about the wrong thing which you <laughs> tell me i do a lot on entertainment so that was that was fun i'm i'm I just there's so much stuff I want to play, and I'm like, if if I was to ever get like booted from the like, if we were just decide that we hated the Mavericks, I would play I, I, so many backlog video games. I'm also yeah. my my little boy's seven now, and we're gonna we're gonna make a college try at playing Breath of the Wild. Ooh, so, wow! I we finally That's hooked quite the one pitch. to jump into. Mm, I know everybody's yeah, cool cool basketball podcast, right, guys? Uh, but I finally I hooked it up to the big ass television I have. And I forgot how amazing that game looks. It looks great on the handheld, but like on the big, good God, what a cool looking game. Yep, for um, sure. All right. So b- before we close out here, just 
you know, head on over to Mavs Moneyball. We're still writing a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, we had our first draft profile up today. Our, our one of our new writers wrote about Grady Dick, and I teased him a little bit because he didn't take like a firm enough like stance on on Grady Dick, who probably wouldn't. If the Mavericks were in a better spot, he'd be a better player to pick, but they need a guy who can play right now, so it doesn't really seem likely. We're going to be writing more and more. We're going to try to cover like the top five guys in the next couple of weeks just in case, well, and the likely thing that the Mavericks don't jump in the lottery, we at least want to have words down about what it would um, would be, and and then we're going to probably cover a lot. If you know, Likely, it's 80% chance they stay in the 10th the spot. So we'll cover a lot of guys through there. Um, and just sort of see, you know, and then we'll start talking about um, where, you know, the different, the multiverse of options that could happen with the, with the 10th overall pick. And there's, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, Brian Damaris were to call him last week that he indicated that he thinks the Mavericks will trade the pick if they get it, which it made me, it makes me irrationally angry, even though I know that's, I know it like, it's not Damaris's fault. Like it's just, it's the most prudent move to get a win now player, but I'm like, Oh, this is how we got here. Yeah. And then what's more, you don't know, like we can look at the players that can be drafted. Like we don't know who they're going to trade for. Like there's just, no. we're, and I'm so bad at projecting that. That's why it's like lame. Cause it's like, well, I don't know who it's going to be like, and, but, but I know who they could pick at 10 yeah. potentially, but so that's like more fun to get excited about because right. With the oh, they might trade ten. It's like, well, for who? Like, I can't get excited for, I, for just trade. It, I it need becomes to know so complicated. That was Matt Moore's point when he was talking to us late at night after one of those games, where he's like, you know, you can go into the 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 draft with the intention of trading, and nothing would materialize, or you get undercut by someone like the Blazers who have a higher pick doing something similar. So it's just, it, it you know, a lot of people, you know, the locked on Mavs guys talked about Claxton last night. I'm like, does Claxton move the needle? Honestly, does does Claxton move the needle? And I don't the fact that I don't have a firm answer for that is is just Jeremy says just accept that it's Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I mean, someone just someone sent me like a, a all hate, like all like the Mavericks would somehow get Draymond Green and get Rudy Gobert. It's just like an all Kirk hate team is just the ideal, the ideal <laughs> situation. Yeah, that's where we're headed. I would have like the the that's how the Mavericks forced me to get off the airways by just assembling players I hate on the team, yes. specifically me. Um. Okay. Well, guys, once again, thanks for hanging out. I'm gonna do a live show either Thursday night or Friday afternoon if I can steal away from work, depending on how work's going for 40, 45 minutes or so. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to be, uh, and then actually hit the bell next to the show. Like, you, there's an option if you click through enough to to be able to get notified regardless of like every time we go live that's the best way if you want to join one of these things um we're going to try to post on a regular schedule uh we have kind of obligations to do at least two a week we like doing two a week i like doing two weeks so you know come with your questions come with your thoughts um somebody says wait i just got here i'm so sorry we don't really have anything else to talk about but i'll be back and for those of you who are kind of newer to the format with the shows that I do live show, I bring people up on stage like here where you can talk to me like this because this is an e, you know, low, low production quality, but great conversation. So um, hang out with us if you would like and, and, you know, be, be ready for that because I, I enjoy talking to everybody. And um, 
I guess uh, since I already asked Josh if he had anything else, he said no. I'm going to close this out. This has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, rate the podcast, leave reviews, leave comments everywhere you can. I really appreciate everyone's support. We're creeping towards a thousand subscribers, which considering we didn't start this till the end of the year, I feel it's pretty good. Pretty good. Nothing like our, our locked on fan friends who have 23,000 followers. <laughs> They've been doing they've been Those doing steps. it a bit more. Oh, all right, guys. Everyone have a great rest of your week, and we will talk soon. Go Mavs.